0: Good morning, Crossroads family. So good to see you this morning and uh, happy Palm Sunday to you. Uh, Wanted to say thank you for joining us online for this live stream yet another week. And I want to encourage you this morning before we get going that we are going to get through this. And uh, what a great reminder from Connie there uh, in song. We're going to get through this. God is with us. I do want to remind you of a couple of things just real quick. Before we get into the message, by way of uh, announcements and reminder, um, uh, don't forget, of course, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and uh, it'll be a little bit different. We will be uh, live streaming right here, but uh, we're going to be doing communion together, so I want to go ahead and encourage you uh, to find something that can, uh, uh, around the house, in the kitchen, that you can use uh, to represent Christ's body, whether it's crackers or bread. Uh, hamburger buns. God knows what we're doing. Uh, and uh, you find something that can represent that bread and then something that can represent the blood of Christ. Uh, grape juice, um, Coca-Cola, whatever you've got. Uh, and I really don't mean that being disrespectful. Uh, God God knows what we're doing uh, despite what we might be having to use this week in these times that we find ourselves. So, But I do want to remind you to do that because we'll be participating in communion next Sunday as a family. It's going to be a great time. And I also want to just take this opportunity, real quick, to remind you of our schedule this week because the schedule is, um, excuse me, is different. And um, tonight, right here uh, online, uh, both on uh, Facebook and YouTube and on the website, uh, we will be putting um, a couple of our disciple life classes. So if you miss those, um, guess what? They'll be here this Sunday night, six o'clock. You can find those right here. Uh, online. If you are uh, listening uh, today, either at the parking lot here at the church at 90.7 FM, welcome. If you are listening um, on your telephone, as I know a lot of our wonderful senior adults, young at heart folks may be doing that today, we want to welcome you uh, as well. On Wednesday, this Wednesday at 11 a.m., we're going to resume our midweek Bible study, but it'll be a drive-in Bible study And you'll see me standing out in the parking lot with a microphone. You can listen in the comfort of your car. So we do want to get back into that so that we can connect with, uh, again, those of you that are able to do that on Wednesday. So just a couple of quick things I wanted to make you uh, aware of and remind you about. You should be getting those in the church email if you're receiving that. You can find that information on the church website if you click on the new schedule. And um, you can also uh, uh, find that out through announcements during the week through social media and texting. So we're doing our best again during these uh, this different time schedule to let you know about what's going on. So, uh, speaking of uh, of giving, we didn't pass the virtual offering plate today, but uh, if you can drop your uh, gift by of support to the Lord's work through Crossroads, your tithes and offerings this week are just when this uh, when our service is over today. You can go online to the website hope at crossroads.org and give your gift right there, okay? Sorry, I had to get those announcements out of the way. Just want to make sure uh, that I got those in one more time since we're so uh, scattered over the weeks. So let's pray together and we'll dive into God's Word. I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, uh, by the way, to uh, to get a Bible and because uh, we won't have the scripture on the screen, but uh, Nehemiah uh, chapter 10, uh, I believe is what we're going to be looking at. Nehemiah Uh, chapter uh, 11, actually. 10 was last week, so Nehemiah chapter 11. We're going to look at that together in just a minute, so let's pray. Father, I pray today that you would be with our church family. Uh, Lord, thank you. I'm so proud of the way that our church family has stepped up and responded to to this virus and this pandemic, and uh, Lord, the way that they are just uh, reaching out in their communities to their friends and their family. And I pray that you would continue to use them, use all of us in the days and weeks ahead to be, uh, Jesus. And we pray all that in your name. Amen. So again, if you've got your Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 11. And I do know that it is Palm Sunday and you may be wondering how we're going to tie in Palm Sunday with the book of Nehemiah. It's interesting. God's timing is very, very interesting, uh, on, uh, how this has all come together and the similarities that we're going to discover from Nehemiah and Jesus. Most of you know that on Palm Sunday, we celebrate the feast that commemorates um, Jesus' triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem, which is the city Nehemiah has been working on, rebuilding those walls. The temple already has been rebuilt, as we've studied, but been rebuilding the walls. And next week, we'll be talking about the dedication of those walls, the dedication of that city, honoring God and worshiping God uh, because he uh, helped them overcome. We're also going to be talking about next week how Jesus helped us overcome by the resurrection. So it's going to be neat how God put all this together. I'm not that smart. Uh, But Nehemiah chapter 11, uh, as we celebrate Palm Sunday too, by the way, um, you know, it's celebrated in most churches um, by distributing palm branches. And uh, in climates and areas of the world where they don't have palm trees and palm branches that they scattered in front of Christ as He rode into Jerusalem, many people will just take branches. So, I encourage you, if you have some branches in your yard or some uh, green bushes or anything that you can break off, maybe just put those on your front door to let your neighbors know that you're celebrating Jesus this week. And you'll be finding videos uh, online in a daily Bible study all this week as we enter into the Passion Week and celebrate what Jesus did for us. Nehemiah chapter 11. The leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people uh, cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, all right, the holy city, which is interesting. That is a holy city, and the new Jerusalem is where we'll be when we overcome with Jesus when he comes back, unless we die first, Uh, and we will celebrate and live in heaven and celebrate in that new city, the city of Jerusalem. The people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Verse 2. Now these are the heads of the provinces we lived in, Jerusalem. But in the cities of Judah, each lived on his own property in their cities the Israelites, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And some of the sons of Judah and some of the sons of Benjamin lived in Jerusalem. From the sons of Judah, Athi, the son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, we know him, the son of Amariah, the son of uh, Stephatiah the son of Mahalalo, Mahalalo, of the sons of Perez. Now let me stop right there because um, you're going to get into a lot of names, but the rest of this per, uh, part of the chapter begins to list all the people that were going to be living uh, in this city of Jerusalem now that the walls have been rebuilt. Prior to the dedication, now there's some interesting things you may, uh, you may realize as you read this. The temple was in Jerusalem, which is why it was the holy city. Verse 1 tells us it was the holy city Um, and the place that God had chosen to put his name on. But there's some characteristics of this city I wanted to share with you today um, that will show us uh, how important uh, Nehemiah is, uh, what Nehemiah uh, really was focused on, and very similarly what Jesus was focused on when he came to earth. There's uh, I think four things I want to point out here about this city uh, that we'll discover as we, as you read uh, and we finish this book of Nehemiah, the people were blessed. Now Jerusalem was secured was with walls, right? But it had to be re- repopulated because again, this is not about the wall. Remember, it's about a city where people can worship the one true God. So it had to be repopulated with people. So there were lots were cast so that one-tenth of the country's population could come into the city. Some volunteered to do this. And you may say, well, why wouldn't all of them volunteer? Why wouldn't they all want to be there? This is the city that they all worked so hard to rebuild in the city for worship. Why would they not all want to be there? Because for more than 70 years, Jerusalem had been nothing but a ghost town. And now over the last 80 or so years, it's being repopulated. The new temple was built by Ezra. And then the walls, remember, were torn down and now Nehemiah has rebuilt the walls, but the city still needed more people. So Nehemiah um, also knew that the population had to grow because the greater the resources and the greater the people inside the city, this is very interesting, the greater the people inside the city, the greater the resources for defense and strength in battle. I was thinking today about our world that we live in. And even about this pandemic that's going on. And could it be that God has, as I said last week, caused the church to leave the building because he's very concerned with populating the city, the new city of Jerusalem, the city of heaven with more people. Last week, by the way, uh, we had a dear young man at the end of last week's service watching uh, in Tennessee of all places who uh, asked the Lord, uh, received the Lord into his heart last week. Uh, And so God is still working. And he wants to repopulate uh, or populate heaven with citizens of heaven, much like Nehemiah wants to populate here uh, Jerusalem, this holy city, so that people can not only uh, be there to fortify that city and give defense in battle, but also so that they could worship. So he didn't rebuild the walls just to see some conquering army uh, come and break down the walls again. So again, you would think that everyone would want to be in this city this fortified city to worship God, but they didn't. Why would they not want to be there? Well, that's what I want to talk about with you this morning and point out four four things, four reasons that they may not want to have been there. And the changes that Nehemiah was trying to bring about in the lives of the people so they would come into the city are the same changes that Jesus overcame by his death on the cross. Very interesting. Here's the first one. Uh, To live in Jerusalem, you had to reorder your view of material things. You had to give up land in your previous region. It's one tent. They they drew by lots. If you study the biblical uh, history here, they had to give up their land in their previous region and take up some kind of business there in Jerusalem. And this is a new city, so keep in mind there's not trading, there's not stores, there's not things yet in this new city of Jerusalem. And so people could make more money out in the country with their cattle than they could taking a risk to move into this new city. So materially, it changed their perspective and might have even changed, well, would have changed their livelihood. So they had to reorder their material uh, view of things. You know, I was reading this week. somebody said it's a general and just complaint that most people, most people prefer their own wealth, credit, pleasure, ease, and safety before the glory of God and the public good. most people. It's been interesting to see over the last couple of weeks how people are stepping up, rising up individuals, companies to work to look out for the public good. And a lot of times it's sacrificing and it's costing them something materially. I think about what Nehemiah is doing here and what the people who are moving into this city, now that the walls are up and the dedication is going to happen, which will happen in the next chapter, the dedication of the city and the wall, they're realizing this is a big deal. And their priorities, their material uh, priorities and material things may have to be reordered. Um, Nehemiah understood that, but you know what? Who else understood that? Jesus understood that. You think about Jesus, the king of the world, God's only son, that gave, uh, God only, gave his only son on the cross so that we might have life, have eternal life because of our sins. And yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what did he leave behind materially? He left everything behind. He left the beauty and the splendor and the glory of heaven to come down and be on a cross. As a matter of fact, Paul says it this way, Christ was truly God, but he did not try to remain equal with God. In fact, he gave up everything and became a slave. Even one of us, Philippians chapter 2, tells us about that. And so Christ, like Nehemiah, Nehemiah like Christ, is trying to teach the people that there's a reorder of our material things when we want to enter the holy city. You know, again, I think about where we are right now as a community and as a nation, as a world. Hasn't there been a reordering of material things? I mean, the supermarkets don't have what we're used to. We don't have what we're used to materially, a lot of restructuring going on because of this pandemic. You know, it, it will cost us something to follow God. It costs Nehemiah. It costs Jesus. It will cost us. So the first thing we discover when we look at the story of Nehemiah and they move into the new, this new city, that some of them may have been a little hesitant to do so because it meant a reorder of their material things. Here's the question for us today. Are we ready to leave some of those material things behind? You know what else it meant, though? In Jerusalem, it meant uh, reordering your social priorities. I, I can't make this up. I mean, God has us studying this chapter of this book right now, and here we are talking about social distancing. And really, with technology like we have right here, we're really not talking about the social part as much as the distancing part because we're still able to connect socially, aren't we? And I'm grateful for that. But in Jerusalem, if you were gonna live in that city, you had to rearrange your social priorities, and you certainly left if you moved from out in the country where you were used to, where you had cattle, where you had your business, where you had friends, family members, and then you moved in the city, certainly you would be leaving some friends and some family behind in your old village. That's pretty a big deal. I know some uh, of you for, in our church family have done that, maybe even as a young person. Because of your family being uh, transferred, your mom or dad, their business being transferred in their business, or maybe in the military, you've gone from here to there to there, and you moved around. And socially, it's been a sacrifice. It's cost you. And it costs those that were going to say, hey, I'm going to move into this city and live in the new Jerusalem. This Jerusalem with the new walls and this city that was going to be dedicated and honoring God for such a time as this, it meant that they were going to have to reorder their social priorities. And so must we. If we're going to be an example for Jesus, we may have to reorder our social priorities, not just during the pandemic, but maybe this is a time where we have been separated from some of those friendships, quote-unquote, that we had, and we're realizing now that we're isolated and in our own homes, insulated. Maybe we should take inventory and say, were some of those relationships helpful or hurtful? Maybe we need to rearrange our social priorities. Jesus did this. He had a few friends, a few close friends. Um, his objective was not to fill his Facebook account to the limit and set up a great uh, page as a public figure. He had few friends, but his desire was to carry on the mission of God. And I know that many of you, especially our students, who are standing for Jesus have felt the effects of standing for Jesus as a young person because it will cost you friends. It will cost you people. They really weren't your friends to start with, right? But it will cost you some relationships with people. And so some of these people that had the opportunity to move into the city were perhaps fearful of friends. Another Number three, the thing that they may have been thinking about was to live in Jerusalem. You had to live knowing that you were going to be a target for the enemy because after all, you move into this city that's fortified it was almost welcoming. Hey, look at us. See if you can see if you can take us over because we're a new city. We're now fortified. It was almost screaming, hey, come and try to attack us. And there were strong walls to protect this city. But since Jerusalem was now this notable city, the holy city that would gather together to bring worship and honor to God with these rebuilt walls, the fear was that more from whole armies, from gathering, from surrounding nations would want to attack. There was more of a fear of that than just this Band of merry robbers that may want to come and break in. It was nations that were potentially going to attack. And now the heathen outside that did not want to worship God, this God, did not want to honor this God, hated the city even more. So it was much easier to live outside the city, be connected and affiliated with the city, but to live outside the city. The old village was nice, but not in much danger from great armies. Nehemiah understood this. And he knew that he needed people that were going to be a part of the city that were all in, that were committed. Because those enemies may be hard to overcome should they attack the city. You know, Jesus knew in the same way he was going to have to overcome enemies. In John 15, 18, as a matter of fact, Jesus tells us that if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. As a matter of fact, it was that hatred of Pilate and the Sanhedrin and the religious crowd that actually placed jesus on the cross and his love for you and i that kept him on that cross and so nehemiah and those that were entering this city had to realize that they were going to be enemies headed their way much like you and i have to realize as believers that there are enemies headed in our way and so as you think about that today and you think about what you're facing and what i'm facing with this pandemic and all the things that are uh Coming at us on all sides, there are, even as our president would say, an, an invisible enemy, is what he 's calling this coronavirus, COVID-19. We also have an invisible enemy, and it 's not just attacking us physically it's attacking us spiritually. It's the invisible enemy known as the devil, who attacks us. And praise be to God because of what Christ did on the cross and ultimately the resurrection that we 'll talk about next week. We have overcome the enemy. You know, to live in Jerusalem, the fourth thing I would tell you, and the final thing that I would tell you about living in this city, if you were going to sign up and agree to do that, and the people would be blessed, verse 2 tells us, for the people who volunteered to do that. Why would they be blessed? Because they knew some of the things that were coming with all these groups that we read about in the remainder of this chapter. And I would encourage you to read about all the names of these families that said yes and responded to move into the city. Uh, To live in Jerusalem, you had to have a mind to endure and to overcome the problems in the city. It's a brand new city. It's been a ghost town for 70 years, and now basically a slightly rebuilt, somewhat repopulated, but still a ghost town. The city at this point, when we think about Jerusalem, we think about maybe the new Jerusalem, we think about heaven, we think about where we'll be with Jesus, we maybe even think about modern-day Jerusalem. The city didn't look all that glorious in Nehemiah's day. It needed a lot of work. And You know, sometimes our our city, our community doesn't look all that great, too, and it needs a lot of work. I I think, just to throw this in for you today, I think that's why a lot of people don't want to commit to be a member of a church. They want to have all the benefits of community, but they don't want to have to endure and overcome the problems that come along with community and there are there are problems and there are challenges in community you know people want the benefits of marriage, physical intimacy, friendship, love, kids, but they don't some of them don't some people don't want to work at it um There's a lot of things where we could say we want the benefit of it, but we don't want to work for it. This was the case in Nehemiah's world. this was the case with The people there, many of them did not want to endure and overcome the problems in that city. You know, I look at our community that we're living in, and right now we have this pandemic, and there are a lot of things now and in the future that we're going to have to overcome, much like Nehemiah, uh, much like Jesus. But the good news today is that Jesus saw the problems, not just in the city, but in the world. He saw all those problems, and through God, uh, God's foreknowledge and wisdom, God sent his only son to solve those problems and overcome those problems with his death on the cross. I want to mention to you what some of those problems and challenges were that Christ overcame on the cross that will encourage you today on this Palm Sunday. He overcame that long night of his suffering. You know, I think about that because when he was on the cross, we know that uh, we, we read, because John describes to us uh, in his gospel how they held up a, a sponge that was soaked in vinegar. And the apostle says that when Jesus had received the drink, he said, it is finished. It is finished. That's of massive importance to us. It is finished. And the suffering of Christ was finished. There were a lot of things that were finished, but the suffering of Christ was finished, and we need a Savior. Right now, especially in this time where where a lot of us feel like we're suffering with what's going on in the world, and we are, but we need a Savior who has triumphed over suffering, and He did. That's what we have in Jesus. He was plunged into this indescribable suffering, but He was not overcome by it. He triumphed over it. The other thing that He overcame was the full course of his obedience. Think about it. Jesus, remember why he came into the world. The Bible tells us that the Son of God became a man to live life so that you and I would have life in order to enter heaven. He had the perfect life. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through Christ, God did not send him to to condemn the world, but that through Christ, all of us would come to know Jesus and have a life and have life eternal. And the night before he died, he was able to look at his father and say to his father, you can find this in John chapter 17, that I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Crossroads family, even during this time of social distancing and somewhat suffering and what we're suffering, I'm not downplaying it, but it's nothing compared to what those in other countries have done for the cause of Christ. But even amidst the social distancing and somewhat suffering, I want to encourage you that, to be obedient. When you get on the other side, for you and I to look back and say, God, we did everything that you told us to do. Much like Jesus, I brought you glory by completing the work that you asked me to do during this time. That was Nehemiah's prayer and hope, I believe. That was what Jesus did. That is what we should do as a follower of Christ. Two more things really quickly that Jesus overcame much like Nehemiah and the people who entered the city overcame. He, he overcame this battle with his enemy. The life of Jesus was a life full of, of suffering. It was a life of, of obedience, but it was also a life of conflict with the greatest enemy ever, the devil. I mean, look, you look at the world today, and some people are asking this question even today, where does this evil come from? Why is this virus here? Why, why are these things happening? And Jesus spoke with absolute clarity in God's word about Satan and the devil. And confronting the devil was actually his first act of public ministry. If you remember, Jesus was led into the wilderness and, uh, by, the, by the devil. And throughout that ministry, Jesus used Scripture. And he, uh, that story of conflict goes back even to the very beginning in Genesis, the story of, of Adam and Eve. But God promised that a Redeemer would come. The Redeemer would come. And say to Satan, you'll bite his heel, but he will crush your head in Genesis chapter 3. And the picture of that that was fulfilled was when Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and I. That's precisely what happened on the cross. Colossians 2.15 says it this way, that having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Christ, made a public spectacle. I love that. A public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And when he died, Jesus went beyond the reach of Satan. He went into death. He said, basically, game over. We are victorious as followers of Jesus. The last thing that he overcame that's so important on this Palm Sunday and that Nehemiah teaches us as well. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and to give that ransom, so he completed the work of his atonement. Aren't you grateful for that today? Aren't you grateful that Nehemiah demonstrated to those followers as we read in Nehemiah chapter 11, what it would cost them and what they would need to do to enter that city and to say, Hey, I'm going to worship the one true God. Aren't you glad that God even went further and through the life of Christ taught us what it means to follow after God and to honor our lives and structure our lives in such a way to think about that city that we'll be a part of one day in heaven if we know Jesus? because we've done what Nehemiah taught the people there to do, to reorder our material possessions and our things, to reorder that priority, to range our, rearrange perhaps our social priorities, to know that we're going to be a target for the enemy, and to have a mind to endure and overcome the problems in our community. Crossroads family, we stand, I believe, at the precipice of what a huge opportunity to be Jesus and to show people what this Jesus is all about. Don't be discouraged. Things are a little different right now, please. I know it's easy for me to say it, but it may be harder to feel that way. Oh, if you and I could see, if we could just pull back the curtain of heaven and see what God's up to, we would be so amazed. I know we would be so amazed. And so as you think about uh, this Palm Sunday and this Passion Week, I want to encourage you, get online, go to the website. If you need them printed out, call the office, and we'll print out the daily Bible studies that we have for us this week to watch the life of Christ in this Passion Week unfold. And next week, as we discover that empty tomb that Jesus is resurrected, and we celebrate that together. What an opportunity we're going to have. Can I encourage you with this before we wrap up today? I want to encourage you to go ahead and read Nehemiah chapter 12, because next week we will wrap up. And we're going to look at uh, how Nehemiah ends and how the resurrection is just the beginning for us. Nehemiah 12, uh, Nehemiah assembles the choirs and the musicians and everyone to have praise and to have this dedication of the wall and to bring honor and glory. It's a huge worship service. I want to encourage you to read it. And I'm looking forward to that huge worship service that we're going to have together when we are all able to be back together. But for now, we're scattered as Christ intended the church to be brothers and sisters in Jesus. So go this week and be an example, praying for you and praying for your community, that God would use you in a phenomenal way to share his love right there in your home, uh, right there in your community, right there at work if you're still at work. And so I'll be praying for you. Don't forget, find uh, something that you can use, some bread and some juice that you can use to have communion uh, next Sunday morning, all right? We'll see you throughout the week online. Don't hesitate to reach out to the church uh, staff if we can help you in any way. And happy Palm Sunday to you, and God bless you.